0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. AlhamdulillahirobbilAlamin. Wassalamu ala Rasulillahi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa bad. So we uh, end this chapter with a long hadith. It's probably it's the longest hadith in the entire packet, uh, and it's a story Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells about Tawbah and uh, it it explores certain facets of of and the relationship that the slave has with Allah subhanahu wa taala um, that are. That are shaped by the sincerity of a person. Uh, so we'll read the hadith in its entirety in Arabic and then we'll we'll explain it. One says Abi Sa'id and Sa'ad ibn Malik ibn Sinan Al Khudri Khudriyi ta'ala anhu and then Nabi Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala kana feman kana kablakum rajulun katala tis'atan wa tis'ina nafsan. Fasa'ala an alami ahlil ardi fadulla ala rahibin fata'u faqala. <تصفيق> إنه قتل تسعة وتسعين نفسا، فهل من توبة؟ فقال لا، فقتله فكمل به مئة. <تصفيق> 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 ثم سَأَلَ عن أعلم أهل الأرض، فضل على رجل عالم، فقال إنه قتل مئة نَفْسٍ فهل tobatin من توبة؟ فقال نعم. ومن يحول بينه بينه وبين انطلق إلى أهل كذا وكذا فإن بها أناس أناسا أفن أناسا يعبدون الله تعالى فعبد الله معهم ولا ترجع إلى أرضك فإنها أرض سوء فانطلق حتى إذا نصف الطريق أتاه الموت فاختصمت فيه ملائكة الرحمة وملائكة العذاب فقالت ملائكة الرحمة جاء تائبًا مقبلًا بقلبه إلى الله تعالى فقالت ملائكة العذاب إنه لم يعمل خيرًا قط فأتاهم ملك في صورة آدميا في صورة أفون آدميا فجعله بينهم أي حكما فقال قيس ما بين الأرضين فإلى أيتهما كان أدنى فهو له فقاسوا فوجدوه أدنى إلى أرض التي الأرض التي أرادا فقبضته ملائكه الرحمة متفق عليه وفي رواية صحيحة وفي رواية في الصحيح عفواً فكان إلى القرية الصالحة أقرب بشبر فجعل من أهلها وفي رواية وفي رواية في الصحيح فَأَوْحَى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى إِلَى هَذِهِ أَنْ تَبَاعَدِي وَإِلَى آآ 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 هَذِهِ أَنْ تَقَرَّبِي وَقَالَ قيس مَا بَيْنَهُمَا فَوَجَدُوهُ إِلَى هَذِهِ أَقْرَبَ بِشِبْرٍ فَغُفِرَ لَهُ وَفِي رَوَيَةٍ فنأ بِصَدْرِهِ نَحْوَهَا So this is a really, mashallah, a really... a really beautiful story that there's a lot of lessons uh, uh, in it for people. Uh, Classically speaking, people didn't take the mimbar and give the khutbah uh, except for on the heels of of years of learning and tarbiyah. And uh, uh, I'm going to get this cheap shot in. uh, And, uh, 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 you know, if you feel bad about it, you should. Um, I'm not excited about I'm not excited about every... Uh, young man, uh, uh, you know, under the age of 40, uh, 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 mashallah, uh, finding out that nobody cares about anything I have to say, except for if I can give the Jummah khutbah one time, that was the only time anyone listened to me, so now I'm going to try to give the khutbah every time I, I, I possibly can. And uh, that's cool, I understand the fact that, you know, sometimes in MSA there's nobody else to give the khutbah or whatever, uh, and so it's an obligation that truly devolves to you because nobody else would do it, but, uh, you know, when you see somebody opens a Facebook and a Twitter account and their avatar has them standing behind a podium with a mic in their face and they're only like 21 years old, uh, uh, then uh, you, you have a problem. You, you have a really big problem. There's like two or three chapters later on in the book that deals with your problems. But, uh, uh, but at any rate, what can we do? Sometimes, you know, you're genuinely put in that situation that where the Jummah has to happen and there's really nobody else to do it. Uh, so this, is a, this is a, hadith is a good, it's good uh, material for you to uh, talk about Rather than commenting on things that you really shouldn't be commenting about or whatever These are these basics There's so much khair in them And it's, the script is all from Rasulullah sallallahu And that same khutbah that might actually be used against you yawm al-qiyamah As a, a, evidence of your, of, your, uh, of your not taking the deen seriously you, know, you stick to the, the, the Sunnah Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam It will count in your favor InshaAllah So Sayyidina Abu uh, Sa'id And you may not You may not be the most popular khatib for it either But You know uh, uh, If you're popular with Allah Ta'ala Then That's what counts Which I guess is a concept In the deen That people kind of forgot about Because 100,000 followers on Facebook MashaAllah For many of us It would be like a dream come true But the only one follow That matters Nobody cares about uh, uh the one friend and the one like that that that, that matters nobody cares for that one And uh, abi sa'id uh, Sa'ad bin malik uh, bin sinan al-khudri anhu uh, who is one of the mukathirin bil hadith one of the one of the narrators of hadith uh, uh, that narrates uh, a large number of a hadith from the ansar ta'ala anhu he narrates that the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi sallam told a story to his companions he said there were there was a, a Amongst those who came before you, amongst the ummas that came before you, such a man who killed 99 people, meaning he literally killed 99 souls, and uh, um, he he asked about who the most knowledgeable person uh, in the land was. And so they took him to a rahib. What is a rahib? A rahib is like a a monk. So they took him to a person who worships Allah a lot. So... If a person prays a lot and is really pious, does that mean they have any knowledge? No. There are many people in the ummah that maybe even couldn't recite the Fatiha correctly if you asked them to. But they're awliya of Allah Ta'ala. They're people whose state with Allah Ta'ala is, uh, is so high that, uh, 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 that, that you know, if they were to ask du'a for something it would come true but does that mean that they know the Fatiha if they don't know the Fatiha? No. To say that is not talking bad about them, it's just a statement of fact. Imam Malik Rahimu ta'ala said, there are certain people who, uh, uh, they're so righteous, if they were to raise their hands and uh, pray for rain, I have no doubt that it would start to rain immediately. But I don't narrate their hadith because they don't know what they're narrating. It's what it's understanding what one thing means and what it doesn't. Knowledge is knowledge. There may be a person who knows what they're talking about. They understand the, the sharia, the law inside out, or they understand aqidah inside out, or they understand hadith inside out. You may not even be impressed with them. You may see, oh, this person doesn't even pray their sunnahs. This person, uh, hopefully they do. But khair, you know, even if you were to see it, the fact is that, okay, that's one shortcoming. This is another shortcoming. That's one accomplishment. This is another accomplishment. And there are certain things Only the people of knowledge can do for you And uh, so he asked for a person of knowledge And they took him to who? To the monk who is a person Who just worships Allah Ta'ala But he's not necessarily The most knowledgeable person in the land This is important, okay Your favorite Muslim Muslimic YouTube star Right? I agree they probably give a really good lecture it probably helps you in your life right but does that mean that they know the sharia not necessarily some of them do some of them absolutely don't so you have to you know and that's not you're not being a hater by saying that you know everybody has some sort of qualification in something it's like if a, a person needs surgery you're not going to send them to a uh, you're not going to send send them to the dermatologist why because that's just not what they do if the person needs open heart surgery you're not going to send them to a cosmetic surgeon the person will say, like you know, yeah, the hard stuff I don't know about, but I can make their nose really nice. That's it's different. You're just, oh, stop being a hater. No, it's just a statement of fact. There's no hate, hatery involved in any of that, right? So they made a mistake. They took him to the wrong guy, basically. Uh, uh, they took him, They took him to the wrong guy. Uh, uh, so so he came to that 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 monk. And, uh, uh, and and said, this man wants to meet you, and he killed 99 people, and he's asking, is there any way for him to make tawbah? And that person, who obviously a person is worshipping Allah Ta'ala by day and night, in isolation, um, and they're like, they're in isolation, so certain small things, you know, that person has been spending the last, God knows how many years, trying to purge the smallest of sins from his, from his system, big sins don't even occur to him. And then, so you just come up on him and drop it. Pfft, this guy just killed up ninety nine people, and uh, 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 and and he was overwhelmed. He said, "How is a person ever going to deal with that? How is a person ever going to repent from that?" Uh, it overwhelmed him, uh, the state that he was in, and he gave he gave an answer that was not tailored for the questioner, but for or the one being questioned so how is a person ever going to make Toba from that that's horrible I've, you know a person's been continuously fasting for several years and, and, and praying tahajjud every night and whatever it's over he can't even grasp that, that frame of mind how could you kill 99 people uh, and so this person when he heard the answer he uh, flew into rage and killed him which is from his point of view makes sense as well why? because if there's no way you're going to make Toba, if you're going to the hellfire anyway then what the heck right? This what-the-heck, uh, it's always from Shaitan. I literally, uh, you a hear, lot. you hear this line of reasoning from all sorts of people. When I was in high school, there was a man, there was a, there was a, there was a, a classmate of mine. Uh, he obviously wasn't playing with a full deck of cards. We all knew that. People used to tease him and things like that. He murdered a woman. Uh, uh, and, and he raped her after he killed her. And literally in the, in the, uh, uh, in the, whatever, in the court, they gave him the death sentence, they executed him. Uh, and this was while we were in, while we were in school, he was 17, they tried him as an adult and they, they gave him the death penalty. Uh, he literally, he literally, he, he wept when he was in the courthouse and said, it was so stupid, I just killed her because people used to make fun of me and said like, you know, you don't have... You know, you're, you don't have it in you to do anything, so I thought I'm going to get some attention by killing her. And uh, they ask, why did you rape her then? And uh, he says, well, I just thought, what the heck, you know, I already killed her, right? This is the same logic. You might say, oh my God, you, this, uh, what, who is this guy from out of town, crazy guys talking about rape and murder and things like that. This is a, literally the same logic that enters through our, our minds as well. We just apply it in socially more acceptable ways than like murder and rape, right? But like a person does something haram, and they're like, oh, what the heck. person eats something haram and then the second time they do it, oh, what the heck, I already did it last time. The damage is done. Oh, I, you know, they, they say something bad. Well, I've been doing it my whole life. What the heck, we'll just do it one more time. People, you know, steal, lie, cheat, all sorts of, all sorts of things. Literally the, the line of reasoning, it's the same line of reasoning. And the same thing inside of your heart that allows you to do one thing is the same thing that, that, that would allow a person to do another thing if Allah's protection was lifted from them. And there are so many sins that we don't engage in just because Allah's protection is there to, to stop us if it was lifted from us. Every one of us has the potentiality inside of ourselves to do all sorts of horrible type fun and games type of like uh, spectacle level of nonsense. Uh, so this whole like what the heck line of reasoning, you can completely mark my words, it's just from shaitan. It's only shaitan says stuff like that and it's, there's no scenario that's what the heck. Yom Al right? Just like two people, uh, uh, one person did 19 good deeds and another one did 20. The one who did 20 will be in a higher maqam. Uh, and that person will see the value of that one good deed. And they'll be thankful they did it. Just like that, right? This is the soof, is again very brutally practical. It's again not about pie in the sky, airy fairy type stuff. It's very practical. Even the person who committed 19 sins versus 20. The one who committed 19 sins will say, Alhamdulillah, I didn't do the 20th. They'll see the benefit of not having done that, that last what-the-heck uh, uh, sin that shaitan is just getting in a cheap shot on a person that he's already kicked down. Uh, uh, so at any rate, خير, he, he, you know, no one was there to teach uh, this guy that class. So he got upset. He's like, what-the-heck, he just killed him. And uh, فَكَمَّلَ mi'atan. that Then he completed 100, 100 murders with this, with this monk. Then after a while he felt bad again And so he asked who, Who's the, the most knowledgeable person in the land And so this time the people took him To a person who actually was a alim The person actually was a person of knowledge um, And this is the thing about ilm Ilm, knowledge is a wonderful thing Like I said from before Sometimes the knowledge is overwhelming A person says how am I going to deal with all of these things The knowledge is superior to just the action It lets you put everything into perspective it allows you to deal with things and put everything into perspective. So a person who has knowledge might worship like the monk worshipped, but it's, that worship isn't perspective. It doesn't overwhelm their, their, their intellect. Uh, and so this, uh, they take him to a person of knowledge, and they say, this person has killed a hundred people. Um, is there any toba for him? Is there any repenting from this for, for him? And the, the, the alim says, to, says, to, uh, the, says in uh, response, uh, he gives a rhetorical question in response, meaning of course he can. And who's, who can stand be, between him and Toba? Who is the, what's, what obstacle is there? Do you know of any obstacle between a person and between repentance? Meaning there's no obstacle between a person and repentance. There never is. There never is. Not, there never is an obstacle between a person and repentance A person could literally be the most like horrible person Their entire life do the most horrible things And they're like an old and decrepit man And then every human being will say Oh, you're going to repent now? The good news is what? People don't accept your repentance Allah accepts it So Even if everybody else, it upsets them Allah Ta'ala will accept it So why do you care what other people think? There's a hadith of Rasulullah Wasallam from Abu dhar al-Ghifari Abu Dhar was like like Fudail bin Iyad, in a sense that he also was a brigand, Zifar were were a clan of brigands, and he was a tough guy as well. And uh, uh, he used to be very harsh on himself in terms of his own uh, 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 his own sticking to the the spiritual path that was tacked out by Rasulullah sallallahu Sallam. He literally he literally accepted the deen at the hands of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu uh, alaihi and as soon as he became, he, he accepted the deen, straight went to the haram and started cursing the, the idols of the mushrikeen and, and uh, lampooning shirk. And they literally beat him up until he, he, they were about to kill him. And Abbas, who wasn't a Muslim yet, the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, he came and told the Quraysh, don't kill him because he's from a, his tribe, they're all brigands. None of your caravans will make it to Syria alive if you kill him right now. And so they stopped. What does he do when he gets back to consciousness? He stood up again and started doing the same thing. They beat him up again a second time. This time even more perilously close to killing him. And uh, uh, Abbas radiallahu anhu had to uh, plea on his behalf again even more emphatically for them to stop and not kill him. And then when he came to consciousness a third time, Rasulullah said, Shh, Abbas, stop, that's enough. Don't open your mouth again. But, but it shows like how hardcore he is. MashaAllah. A person admires that this person is, it has so much love for the haq that it almost overwhelms him, you know? So uh, Rasulullah once he said that uh, whoever says la ilaha illallah will enter Jannah. And Abu Dharr al-Ghifari, who himself is imposing all his harshness on himself in order to spare himself from sin, he says, what if he, what if he uh, uh, commits zina? What if he commits zina and what if he steals? Rasulullah ﷺ, even if he commits zina and even if he steals. And then he asks again, same question, Rasulullah same answer. He asks a third time, same question, Rasulullah says, he'll still go to Jannah even if he commits Zina, and even if he steals, and even if Abu Dhar doesn't like it. <laughs> so who cares what other people say? The people live around many judgmental people. Oftentimes the people who are judgmental, they themselves have their own issues that they haven't worked out yet. They see the sins of other people and they, they don't see their own sins. Uh, because the person who sees his own sins will sympathize with another person who is struggling. Whereas a person who never scrutinized themselves, they have no sympathy because they think they're perfect. Uh, uh, so uh, the, this alim, this he asks, he says, that who's, who, who could get be between a person and his and Toba? And the, it's another just way of saying nobody can get between a person and Toba. And then he, not only does he answer the question, which is, is there any toba for such a person? He then, uh, uh, he then uh, gives good advice. Uh, and he says, he says to this person who murdered a hundred people, he says, go to so-and-so place because the, the people there are, uh, are righteous and they worship Allah Ta'ala so, go, go to that place and worship Allah with them. This is the only way you're going to get out of your, your, your murderous lifestyle. Uh, uh, and don't ever go back to your people because the, the land you live in, they're, they're, they're corrupt people. They're, the evil is overwhelming over there. And this is good advice, and it applies to us as well. I, mean, I don't know, mashallah, Dallas is, is wonderful, but mashallah, uh, uh, Chicago even though there are parts of Chicago that literally are, are like sub-third world, and uh, the weather is horrible, and the diet that people eat over there is going to probably give you a heart attack by the time you're 35. Um, but there are madaris there, there, there's a hafiz on every street corner, there is, a, a, manshallah, a, a ulama uh, in every place, there's you know, five masajid within ten minutes' drive of, of most places where the Muslims live over there you know, if you're not, if you're not making it in another place, go move to a place like that you know if you're not making it, you know I mean, sometimes it's so simple as like even in the university instead of hanging out at this place hang out at the other place it's very simple so it's good advice he gave, it's really good advice this is the whole idea, the whole theory behind the, 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 the prophetic concept of hijrah, which many of the Anbiya alayhi wasalam uh, had to go through uh, if not all of them and so he says go to such and such place this is a solution for you they worship Allah Ta'ala over there go worship Allah Ta'ala with them and don't go back to your, to your land because your land is filled with evil and so this person he says I'm going to take this advice and so he makes hijrah for the sake of Allah Ta'ala by the way we give this advice to a lot of people and people are like oh it's not practical but how practical is it to go to Jahannam How practical is it that your children will leave the dean one day? How practical is it? I mean, it's a real question, right? Uh, people, people, like for example, I, you have to. Any doctors here? That's too bad because I like ragging on doctors. But you know, like doctors, for example, the same doctor. If you're in the city, you'll get paid maybe a tenth of what you'll get paid if you're out in the out in the boondocks, right? Your kids, but what are your kids going to do? What are you going to do? You have like a a palatial estate that looks like it's from the set, like whatever, from the set of The Patriot or something like that. Uh, uh, But your kids have no good company, and uh, what are you going to do with stuff like that? You know, is money really worth that much to a person? Right? Think, think of practicality in that, in that sense. And people don't, people, what they think of practicality and what they think of wisdom is very short term. Think of how much effect this will have in ten generations. Think of what effect this will have not just in this world, but in the hereafter as well. That's also practicality. I'm not saying short-term planning. Okay, For example, if someone said, you know, uh, uh, you know, give away all of your money for the sake of Allah, you'll go to Jannah, right? Well, how, where are you going to live tomorrow? How are you going to eat tomorrow? That's impractical. Rasulullah in fact, on many occasions stopped people from giving all of their property as charity just because of that practicality. That's fine. Nobody is negating that. But also long-term is practicality as well. You know, there's practical consequences to that as well. Someone might say, okay, I'm not going to give anything because I'm just saving to buy a house and then after I buy a house I'm going to buy this, then buy that. And then at some nondescript point in the future I'll be financially secure and then I'll give sadaqah at that point. Who knows, you know, people go through their entire lives and never make it to that point. right? So practicality the point is that there's a long-term practicality as well. And so, uh, uh, this, uh, these advices oftentimes seem really magical when they're given to somebody else. But when they're given to us, we're like, uh, that's not practical. Uh, it may not be, but it also may be. It might be. Uh, uh, and going Jahannam is the most impractical thing in the world. Uh, and that's something that, that, that people who understand that, understand that. So, at any rate, this uh, uh, individual uh, leaves. Leaves his home. And in the middle of the path, from where he's making hydra from to where he's making hydra to, he dies. And so what happens is, when he dies, two sets of angels show up to to, to pick up his his his, uh, his, his ruh, uh, his spirit. One are the angels of mercy, and the other are the angels of, of of torment. So they both they say this is our guy. And they argue with each other. Not as in like I hate you forever argue, but they they have a dispute that who gets who gets to take uh, uh, who gets to take uh, control of the spirit. And the argument put forth by the angels of torment or of mercy is that he made Toba and he was going toward uh, uh, he was he was he was going toward the path of righteousness. And the angels of torment say, he never did a good deed in his life. We don't have any deed that we can point to that shows this guy ever did anything good in his life. Uh, And both of them had a point. And so what happens is that they wait for another angel to settle their dispute. uh, And that angel comes to them in the form of a human being. And uh, he prescribes a solution or a way to adjudicate this dispute objectively. Which is what which is measure the distance between his home to this point and measure the distance between this point and where he's going. Whichever distance is closer, uh, we will award the possession of his spirit uh, uh, accordingly. This teaches us a number of lessons. The first lesson is this, is that the spiritual world is not magical. Do you understand what that means? The spiritual world is a world that has very regular... And predictable causes and effects And it has a system that it works by That system was described by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And the Qur'an itself They exhort us again and again Don't be a fool And do the deeds of the people The hellfire your whole life And then expect at some point You're going to be able to magically flip the switch And and, uh, go to Jannah And it all lives happily ever after Right? Like, everyone, anyone watched the, the Lord of the Rings before? Right? Don't admit that in front of people. <laughs> so, the, I heard about it. I read the book. So, there's... Uh, yeah, right. Uh, right? That's what, that's what people criticize. They criticize. They say, whenever there's, like, the whole thing, the whole story is, like, falling apart, all of a sudden, like, these giant eagles show up from nowhere and then save everyone, and you're like, why didn't they just, like, use them in the first place? Right? What is it? It's like a magical plot device. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And it's invoked again and again. Okay, Lord of the Rings never happened. It's fake. Star Wars never happened. It's fake. There are so many people, their entire worldview and the way they think of the world around them is based on fake stuff. Real life doesn't work that way. Even the spiritual realm... People assume just because it's not physically tangible that it's somehow magical. It's not magical. There's a very predictable set of there's a very predictable set of rules that govern it, and they're very well described by Rasulullah ﷺ. Everybody wants to have that story where uh, you know everything magically works out at the end. Things work out in the end oftentimes, and Allah's help comes to people, but it's not magical. Even there's a there's a method of getting the help of Allah Taala. And if you don't follow that method, then don't expect it. Sometimes somebody else will do a good deed and you'll benefit from it. That's different. right? So I'm not saying that if you don't do everything, you're, 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 you're uh, high and dry or whatever. But even then, someone else had to do that on your behalf. There's so many benefits we get. Why? Because of Rasulullah dua for us, or because of our parents' duas for us, or because of the duas of our teachers, or because of somebody else's good deeds. This is why... You should take this whole kind of pull yourself up from the bootstraps uh, 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 narrative with a grain of salt because everybody who's like, yeah, I made myself and whatever, you didn't make yourself. Somebody else taught you. Somebody else brought you up. You inherited money from somebody. Somebody else built the university you studied at. Somebody else built the roads you drive your car on. It's not like your intervention is useless, but it's not like it's everything either, right? None of these things happen magically. So what happens? Imagine this, right? That the angels, they also have to wait for another angel that has higher rank And that angel will then use objective objective uh, uh, criterion by which they will decide what happens with this person Now, take in that context the idea that you and I have the right to call on Allah Ta'ala whenever we wish to Insan, and specifically from the jinns of insan, the believer, the, the mu'min is the spoiled brat of Allah Ta'ala's creation Why? Even the angels, they have protocol They have what they call chain of command Anyone been in the military before? So in the military, what, what is it? There's a chain of command If you have an issue, you can't just go straight to the general and be like, this is wrong, that's wrong you have to tell your commanding officer. If your commanding officer thinks it's an issue, they'll escalate it to their commanding officer. And if they don't think it's an issue, it dies right there. But you and I, for whatever reason, in the hikmah of Allah Ta'ala, we have the right to go straight to the top. If that right was universal, don't you think the angels would have invoked it? It's not universal. In fact, even amongst human beings, the ummas that came before us, there are from them. They're from them the people that didn't have the, they weren't given the right to even take the name of Allah Ta'ala. Imagine that. Do you have the, in your homes, do you, do you have the right to call your father by his first name? No. Most people in their families, if they did that to their father, uh, they would probably, something would happen that may not be lawful in like every state, county, or, or, or uh, city regulations. You get smacked. And culturally, I can say you probably deserve it. You don't even have the right to call your own father by his, by his first name. Why is it that we have the right to take the name of Allah Ta'ala? This is a blessing. You, go, ask, go ask an Orthodox rabbi. You ever seen like when Orthodox Jews write stuff? They don't even write the word God. They write G and they write a, a, a dash in the middle and they write D. Why? Because they, they consider it, this is sacrilege that a person should... Talk about Allah Ta'ala casually. He said, Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, so, so literally the scribes, when they used to write the Torah, they used to have to make ghusl every time they wrote the, the, the sacred name. And then in the same page, maybe the the, 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 the sacred name would come, the il-Ism al the 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 divine name would come several times. So they would go may ghusl and come back several times just to write that one page or that one uh, 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 part of the scroll uh, in which the Torah was written. The holy name was only taken once a year on a high holy day within the, within the Masjid al-Aqsa by the high priest and when giving a certain sacrifice and if the sacrifice was accepted he would make it out alive and if it wasn't given properly and the name wasn't said properly uh, uh, and it was the sacrifice wasn't presented with the due reverence it would kill him but the ummah of the prophet sallallahu allah ta'ala not only gave us the gave us the privilege of taking his sacred name rather we were, we were told the more you take the name of allah ta'ala the more he will love you this is a great honor you make tawbah straight to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to deal with the district uh, court judge and then the appeals court and then the supreme court and all of this other stuff. You don't have to worry if Neil Gorsuch got appointed or who the next appointee is going to... You don't have to worry about any of these things. Allah ta'ala says, says that you're, you're the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'll take care of you. Whatever you need, ask me directly. I'll take care of you. This is a great, this is a great honor uh, for the people of Iman if they only knew. So you see here the angels. What are they doing? They don't. They're. They're not. Their lot in life is that they don't have that position. They ask. Now they have to wait for the other angel to adjudicate their their uh, their, their dispute, and so he adjudicates it for them. And he says, measure, uh, 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 measure which side is he closer to, and so they measured and they found that he was closer to the place he was going to, uh, and so the angels of mercy took him. But that's not the whole story. There's another layer of the story, right? So the first layer is what is the one that, that that interfaces with us most closely, which is make toba, and Allah will accept the toba from you. Now we talked about this thing earlier, which is is that like for example, you may make toba from a sin, and like you know you stole from someone, you have no idea how to pay them back. You said you back back bit somebody, and they're dead now. They're gone. Or, you know, if you tell them about it, they're going to freak out even more and it's going to cause 10 other like, problems to happen for, you know, that are going to make you sin even more than the, the original uh, uh, problem that you, you created in the first place. Or these kind of complicated situations. Now, this rest of this, this is for those people to, to realize something. Which is what, it says that, uh, 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 that the person, when they, were, when they measured... They found that they're only a hand's breadth Closer to the, the place that he was going to Than the place that he left And in another narration uh, Allah Ta'ala literally said to the earth that, uh, that, that stretch out far From the side that he was leaving And come closer from the side that he was going to Meaning that he actually wasn't even a hand's breadth Closer to the place he was going to This is Allah Ta'ala's direct intervention in this matter uh, and in another narration, uh, 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 literally that hand's breath was what—just that his 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 chest was turned over to that side. That's all it was. It wasn't even like absolute hand's breath. It was like a relative hand's breath, meaning his body was just just tilted on that side. It was barely he made it, which means what? Like we were saying, this is Allah Taala's direct intervention. If a person, if a person finds themselves in the situation where they sincerely try to try to repay the haqq of, of of everybody and they just still are in this ambiguous like place where they're like you know trying as hard as they can for their whole life and they just die not a- being able to fulfill it. The intervention of Allah Ta'ala cures every every problem. Allah Ta'ala created that person. Allah Ta'ala if he loves you, he will bring that person, qiyamah and keep giving him more and more and more and more and more until he's happy and, and will agree to forgive you This is his, his ability as well This is why the haqq of Allah Ta'ala is supreme over all other hukuq always remember that Not as a convenient way to downplay you having to fulfill other people's obligations But as a aqidah inside of your heart So that you always have hope and you never give up hope from anything Oftentimes there are certain people who repent and they feel bad about a sin. The repentance propels them to Allah Ta'ala's wilaya, to Allah Ta'ala's friendship and to sainthood. And that person, everybody will balk. In the hadith of Rasulullah that Allah Ta'ala laughs when he sees uh, the qatil and the maqtul, both of them are in Jannah. The, 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 the killer and the one who was killed. Why? Because one person may kill another person in zulm. Right? One person may kill another person As an act of aggression and oppression And uh, uh, that person who's killed There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ That for this ummah Being murdered is an expiation for your sins There's a, there's a hikmah in everything So it's, oh, how come the people of the ummah are getting killed We're la ilaha illallah Doesn't Allah love us Or does he, is he not there Or what's going on The people It's not something you're supposed to want Or like But when it happens There's a hikmah in that as well That a person if they get killed the fact that they had to go through that—it's an expiation for all of their sins. There's a wisdom in everything. There's a, a benefit in everything. Uh, uh, and so, Allahumma uh, The person who's killed is in Jannah. Why is the killer in Jannah? Because that person obviously survives. Then they live a whole life, and then they repent. If they, that person was a kafir they become Muslim How many people fought the Sahaba عنهم, tooth and nail, In the most ridiculous of circumstances Someone from their tribe Claims he's a Nabi also And so they're like oh well I don't know about any of these guys But like, this guy's from my tribe so we'll fight, fight, side with him And they killed the, the most dear Sahaba Of Rasulullah wasallam in battle And then afterward uh, You know after they're defeated In battle and brought to Medina Munawarah In chains and they, they, they uh, like look around and they're like, oh shoot, these guys are like, uh, <laughs> these guys are not joking, they're really sincere and it makes a lot more sense than what our you know, joker fake prophet was t- teaching us. And like, oh man, <laughs> we, we really screwed up, right? Those people become Muslims, the, the Futuhat, the entire conquest of Syria, Iraq, uh, uh, Khurasan, all of these places, Egypt. It's all done by the very sincere work and sacrifices of those people. Some of those people fought Islam tooth and nail. Abu Sufyan and, and, and Suhail bin Am- Amr and all of these people, the ta'ala تعالى al-Anhūm, And they, some of them with their own hands, they killed the most beloved and precious of people to Rasulullah wasallam. But then they accepted Islam, they made good on it. Or maybe a person was a Muslim already, but because of their committing that sin, they later on make such a tawbah, that they, they keep raising higher and higher in rank, that Yom Al-Qiyamah, the person who was killed, when they see how like good of a person this person became, they're like, how could I hold anything against you? You know, that you, Allah loves you, how am I going to now ask Him to punish you? So, that's... Sometimes your Tawbah propels you in that, that direction. And that happens as well. If you're just going to be a joker and be like, oh, well, you know, what can I do now, and this and that, and... Okay, fine, then you should... Be afraid of Yawm al what's going to happen. If you're genuinely trying your best to make things right, sometimes, sometimes that itself becomes a, 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 a great impetus for your righteousness. Sometimes that person who, who uh, 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 was stinted by you or harmed by you, you're becoming this person because of your sorrow and your regret and your repentance um, is a means for them to achieve a rank they couldn't have achieved if they were to do their own good deeds. Obviously, these are things to think about after the fact. While you're doing it, don't be like, "Oh well, I'm going to (laughs) repent, and then I'll do good, and then this guy will—they'll thank for me for it later." But or Uh, whatever—that's not that's not that's that's not a a good sign. If a person is thinking that way, it's a sign they're on on the wrong path. Uh, But uh, uh, but these things—they all there's a way that they all work out, Uh, and the the difference between the people who they work out for and the ones that they don't work out for has to do with your sincerity. Uh, 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 and if you're sincere with Allah Taala, he'll he'll pull strings and make things happen for you. He'll pull strings and make things happen for you. So uh, with that, inshallah. What time did we want to break for Zuhr and for lunch? Where's Yasin? One, one fifteen. fifteen. Okay. Uh, are there? Maybe I'll take one or two questions, inshallah, and then then we'll go to the next chapter. If there are questions. Yeah. By the way, don't ask fit questions in this majlis. I'm not saying that don't ask fit questions, but there's another place for that, you know? Because some people go, can, you know, can I take a mortgage and is McDonald's halal and all that stuff? <laughs> you know, there's a majlis for that. This is not it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you kind of fished
1: already. Hmm? I was going to ask, um, if uh, this, uh, this man killed uh, 99 people, hmm? how?
0: So that's that's the idea The idea is like Like uh, um, like was mentioned in this last tract Allah Ta'ala hooked them up All of those people basically he's going to Give them until they forgive that person You understand what I'm saying? What do you mean give them al-qiyamah a person will be asked If you want to forgive someone or not mm-hmm. yeah. Okay? You say no I don't want to forgive them Allah Ta'ala says okay what if I give you the rank of a nabi? And Jannah, will you be happy? Oh. Allah Ta'ala can give, give people so much. Give so much. This is, this is, the, this is the meaning of the ayah of وَالضُحَى Layli Which is according to many of the Mufassirin, the second, the second revelation after Iqra. Allah Ta'ala says, rabbuka That one day your Lord will give you so much, you'll be pleased. You'll forget all of the difficulties you went through, and you'll be like, yeah, it was worth it. That's, that's, that's what it is And so a person shouldn't bank on that If you feel like you deserve that Then you definitely don't deserve it And a person shouldn't do their deeds in such a way That they bank on that, bailing them out But uh, that, that doesn't negate the fact That there are certain people That Allah Ta'ala, His love for them is such That even if there's something left behind That, that, that when people see what that person's maqam is yom Nobody's going to have the heart to bear a grudge against them Yeah. So when a person is, when a, yeah, that's that's true. I guess what they meant is that he didn't do like outwardly, didn't do any good deed. Yeah. You know? Like he, even the hijra wasn't complete yet that he was going on. Yeah. Go ahead. For that specific deed, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Um, so you didn't mention um, that some class for, for certain sins but not others. Um, does
1: that mean that when you are doing so that you have to mention each sin? Or can you just say something about it in
0: general? No, uh, the more proper way is to mention each sin itself. Uh, because the idea is this is that... And so a person should hope, you know, that the sins they're unaware of that if their heart is sincere, that if I'd known that was a sin, I would have repented for that. That, that should be enough. But the idea is that uh, uh, you should feel regret for you should feel regret for your sins, and the more intense the regret is, the more uh, 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 the more intense the regret is, the more likely the toba is being accepted, and the the, the 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 stronger the sign is that that toba is being accepted. Go ahead. Maybe? Oh, Go ahead. The idea, the idea, this is, this is, I guess, something from, from Aqidah, but the simple, the simple idea, oh, this is why I came to Dallas, mashallah. So the idea is that, uh, uh, the, the, Crossing of the sirat is a reflection of how you lived in this life So the people who were very careful Not to arrogate uh, any hak of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And not to uh, um, miss any opportunity to please Allah ta'ala Those people will cross like lightning The people who were doing the bare minimum will cross minimally uh, So it's a reflection The, the way you die is a reflection of, okay, you're too cute. That's like making a distraction in the class. Now, I'm sorry, kid. Oh, no. Oh, I no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Look. It's okay. Oh, no. Oh, it's okay. Okay, now she wants to go to Baba. Now she's like, what did the Moana Saab do? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh see uh, stuff for uh, uh, so the the idea is that that the way you die is a reflection of the way you lived and the time that you have in the grave is a reflection of how you died and the way you're resurrected is a reflection of how you were in the grave and the way you're gathered and brought to the the place of judgment is a reflection of how you were in the grave when resurrected and the way you're judged is a reflection of how you uh, uh, how you were gathered uh, at the time of resurrection the way you cross the sirat is a reflection of how you were judged and your maqam in jannah is a reflection of of uh, of, uh, of how you crossed the sirat and uh, no no good deed will go unrewarded so hadith of rasulullah sallallahu wasallam that that uh, uh, there were two you know you, you if you'll be familiar from the sirah that there is a... After the hijrah, Rasulullah took the muhajirin and the Ansar and paired them off as brothers. Uh, and so one, one muhajir would be taken in by uh, one of the Ansar and uh, they basically got each other up on their feet and you know uh, helped each other out until financially they are able to you know, stand on their own two feet essentially. So two brothers one from the Muhajirin and one from the Ansar both of them were uh, uh, wounded in the same ba- battle and they were both shahid fi sabilillah one of them he died on the battlefield and the other was mortally wounded and he died a day later and so the sahaba radiallahu anhum when they brought the second when they brought the second uh, uh janaza or the second the, the second shahid for 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 his janaza I should say Um, because the person who dies on the battlefield, that person has no janazah. Um, They said to Rasulullah ﷺ, look, now they're brothers in this world and now they join each other in the hereafter. And Rasulullah ﷺ said, no, that's wrong. He said, what do you think the extra day of salat and the extra day of dhikr and the extra day of good deeds uh, that, that he did do you think those are uh, just going to evaporate rather the maqam of this one is that much higher than the the maqam of the one who left from before and i think a lot of muslims have this kind of uh, idea like i'm waiting i'm waiting for you know like the, the, the first exit you know from the highway express lane uh, uh, to go to jannah and that's like considered piety and obviously the the love of sacrifice for the sake of allah ta'ala And being resigned to accept Allah's fate When it's time to leave And not kick and scream Say I wanted to live for longer Or whatever That's something I think Everybody understands intuitively As part of piety But sometimes we forget Especially on the heels of learning The first lesson We forget the second one That uh, you know Living for the sake of Allah Ta'ala Also is piety And there's a benefit in it as well And that a person You know If someone were to say to you For example People get like You know they get these uh, uh, Diagnoses that are like heartbreaking, you know, you have a terminal illness, you're going to die within four years of cancer, you're like, oh man, it's like, I just like, why didn't I just die yesterday, you know, or you, uh, you know, you're going to get some sort of crippling, debilitating disease, which is going to cause you to live out the whole natural life, but you'll be completely paralyzed, and you're like, oh man, what's the point of that, This horrible, but there's a point to it though, I mean, it may, it may not be fun, I pray everybody, Allah Ta'ala, uh, uh, give us afia that we never have to go through that. But if he wrote it for us, there's a wisdom in it as well. And, and it's really easy to say when you're not, not going through it. Uh, 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 but except for, you know, we've seen people who went through it and you see the signs of uh, Allah's uh, 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 love and sainthood on them as well. Uh, and uh, so we ask Allah Ta'ala to protect us from that. But uh, if, 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 if we get it, it's not like it's, there's no benefit to it at all, you know. Okay, questions? Any other questions? Inshallah, Go ahead. Last question then. So, um, how do you know that like, your like, repentance is forgiven? I, like, I've heard, for example, that if you, like, you just keep on making repentance
1: until you feel like, it's, like you're, you've
0: done it sincerely and not be like what you are. So the question of how do you know your repentance is being accepted? The one repentance that's accepted by ijma'ah without any... Uh, difference of opinion uh, is the repentance of a kafir when they accept Islam. And that repentance will obviate all sin, although it doesn't obviate debts. Um, the rest of the repentance is accepted, you only know if it's accepted on the Day of Judgment, but the sign of its acceptance that should give you some peace in your heart is true regret. If you truly regret that sin, uh, uh, then, then you should hope, inshallah, that the repentance is accepted. You'll find out for sure, for sure, Yom al But it's a really good sign uh, that you really feel bad about it. Some people have like sins like, oh man, back in Jahiliyyah, I used to blah, 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 and the other thing, the other thing. And it's like they're boasting about it. You kind of get the feeling that like, they may not you know, really actually feel bad about it. They actually take it as a badge of honor or pride. That's not a good sign. The day you feel so bad about it that you're ashamed that people should know, uh, uh, that day then 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 it's it's a sign, hopefully that it was, it was uh, it was uh, uh, accepted. And after that happens, then you don't have to like be a masochist about it and like completely destroy yourself again and again day after day. That's the time that you can move on. If you find out later on that you have a nostalgia for your sin, then you have to go through the whole thing again. But uh, once you f- really feel bad about it, that's the time. Then it's not productive to like spiral yourself into like such a depression that like uh, uh, that that like you can't move on and it like actually impedes your uh, your your progress. Uh, but uh, and when I say depression, I mean like lexically, clinically, depression is another thing. If that's the case, then a person should get like get professional help. But uh, so I'm not talking. I'm not making clinical diagnosis. But just in, in for 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 people who are like psychologically, uh, 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 um, you know, within normal, uh, normal range of functioning. You're not supposed to keep dragging yourself down. Once you've actually felt bad about it, then you should move on. Uh, remembering your, your sins in as much as it helps you to avoid them is good, uh, in as much as it, it cripples you from, like, doing anything else with your life and, like, destroys your will to, like, become a better person or uh, whatever. Uh, in that sense, it's better not to, not to remember your sins. Hmm? we'll take from the sisters because they don't have as much access Uh, go ahead
1: Mm. And we know that, I mean, that we, we as uh, Muslims would need to do good too, and have our heart for good kids. And I just came to me because that was one of the reasons when I converted young. Yeah, that was like, okay, I mean, I have to try to do good, too. I mean, that has given us so much that uh, we need to try to, 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 to do good to others, or just because our hearts are be clean, I don't know. But now, I, I am mean, just told them that, uh,
0: no, I mean, that, that's a good question. So first, first of all, I want to say something. Just because the Christians believe something doesn't mean it's wrong. There are a lot of things that they believe that we agree with, right? So this is like a small lesson in Aqidah, okay? This is your daughter, right? So she learned it also. If you don't understand the first time, she'll explain it to you again, okay? But remember a couple of things, okay? The hellfire is a manifestation of God's justice, You you should write it down if you're taking notes, okay? I'll explain it again, but it's a very simple guide. The hellfire is a manifestation of God's justice. Jannah is a manifestation of God's grace, His mercy, His fadl. The word grace is fadl. The eternity of both is based on intention, and the, the ranks in both are based on deeds. So what did we say? We said that the hellfire is a manifestation of God's justice. And Jannah is a manifestation of God's grace, His fadl. And the uh, uh, eternity of both is based on intention. And the ranks in both are based on deeds. Okay? Meaning, nobody enters hellfire except for because Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, is just. The idea is every single person, if Allah Ta'ala were to were to scrutinize their, all of their deeds they would go to the fire the idea that some people go to Jannah is only because of Allah's fadl and his mercy in that sense his grace in that sense it's, it does resemble something like what Christians say except for what? two things one is they say I have it in the bag we say Allah knows best he has to accept it it's, you're saying it doesn't make it true his accepting it makes it true there's a difference there, because you're assuming you have the right, you're the one controlling what's going on, and you say, no, he's the one that we, we, we do our best, and if he accepts it, he accepts it, if he doesn't, he doesn't. And this is something Christians say, oh, look, your religion is horrible because you live in depression all the time, because you don't know if you're guaranteed salvation, whereas Christianity can tell you you're guaranteed salvation. So the idea is like, okay, look, just because they say it doesn't mean it's true, first of all. Second of all, even for them, does, do people accept Christianity and then leave it all the time? So even then, you don't know if it's accepted or not. So it's not, it's not even true uh, in this world, much less in the hereafter, right? The idea is that, 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 that Jannah is for the people who Allah, His grace, He forgives them. It's for, for those people only. Why do you go forever? The idea is Allah gives you enough life that if you were to keep the person who when they die on the deen, they show Allah Ta'ala that I lived long enough and I still held fast to La ilaha illallah. And if Allah gave that person life forever That person would have stayed with La ilaha illallah If the person dies on kufr On disbelief That person Allah gave them enough life To show that that person No matter what happened Up, down, high, low Happy, sad, everything They still clung fast to kufr And they showed Allah Allah Ta'ala By living their life If Allah gave them a life for a million years They would have been a kafir for a million years Right? And the, the, the deeds are, are, are indispensable where? When it shows your maqam, your station. So not everyone is equal in Jannah, and not everyone is equal in the hellfire. So, you know, a, a person who, for example, was a kafir, but was otherwise generally a nice person, their station is not going to be the same as like Stalin or Hitler who killed like whatever, 6 million people, 10 million people. Just like that in Jannah, You're, you're, uh, uh, you know, if a person is like, mashallah, barely ice skating by doing the bare minimum That person is not going to be equal like with the person who sacrificed so much for the sake of Allah Ta'ala And spent their life helping people and things like that, right? So the deeds, the Christians, they say the deeds are irrelevant So if the deeds are irrelevant, why would you do anything? Islam says no, Allah will forgive you and from His fadl, from His grace He'll enter you into Jannah But that's when you'll see the benefit of the deeds Okay, inshallah. So we we uh, come to the the second lesson, uh, uh, which has to do with taqwa. Allah Taala commands that you worship Allah as if you see Him, uh, and if you do if you can't see Him, at least know that He sees you. Allah Most High uh, says in His book, Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ Oh, you believe, fear Allah Ta'ala as is his right that he be feared. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَا اسْتَطَعْتُمْ وَهَذِهِ mabniyatun مَبْنِيَّةٌ لِلْمُرَادِ مِنَ الْأُولَىٰ So Allah Ta'ala says in his book, Surah Al-Imran, O you who believe, fear Allah Ta'ala as is his right that he be feared. So taqwa is what? It's to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now in the age of like hyper positivity people like say don't say fear God because that's like people don't like that. I said okay that's cool but like you should fear God because you're going to go to Jahannam if you don't. So if the fear leads to a positive outcome then it's positive it's not negative. You can translate it other ways some people translate it as being God conscious but like the language also bears certain connotations. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm off base, but to me personally, if you say, like, God consciousness, it makes me feel like, oh, like, the Deepak Chopra spirituality, like, oh yeah, I'm conscious of God and stuff. Like, no, like, that's cool. You should, okay, wonderful. You're, like, reflect over God's creation and have these higher states of reality. You're never going to get there until you have the visceral understanding that I better not do this, otherwise Allah will punish me wiqaya which is the it shares the root the 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 same root as taqwa wiqaya is like an armor or shield or clothing that protects a person from the weather or the elements so you can translate it however you want to based on the audience that's going to hear it but the idea is taqwa is what that you should you should fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you should know that he's always there watching and know that 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 just like he has he he rewards the ones he loves that his punishment is not far from, from the people of Vulm of and the people of, of, of uh, transgression. So Allah Ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, fear Allah Ta'ala as his, is as is his right to be feared. Uh, so is his right great or small? It's overwhelming. So this is one of the many fada'il and virtues of the Sahaba radiullah ta'ala anhum that They heard the ayat of the Quran, and they did the ayat didn't fall on deaf ears. So they thought about it and they said, "This is impossible. How are we going to fulfill his right?" And so they panicked. And this was the occasion of a, 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 a consequential revelation, which is what, which is fatakullah Fear Allah Taala as much as you're able to. Because your abilities and what his right are, they're they're not even close to one another. Now, still, this is a great commandment: fear Allah as much as you're able to, because a lot of people are not even doing that. In fact, nobody's doing that even. But it's a goalpost that's much closer than 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 the impossibly far away goalpost that has to do with his his rights. He's like, okay, fine, the the part between that off the bat it's forgiven. Then afterward, uh, 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 the next. Uh, tanazul uh, the next like uh, bargain downward is what is لا يكالف الله nafsan illa wusaha that Allah Ta'ala doesn't uh, uh, won't ask from a soul more than what 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 it can bear so even though you should be on maximum taqwa mode 24 hours a day even that if it's not possible Allah Ta'ala Maximally, will ask you what you're what you're able to do, which is still a lot. Which is still a lot, but now we're in the range of what's doable versus in the range of of what's what's completely impossible and overwhelming. Uh, but it's still a lot. It's not a small amount, right? When the wa sallam said that Ihsan, which is part of the Deen, is to worship Allah as if you see Him and if you don't, to know that He sees you. Um, he wouldn't say that if. It, if we're not going to be asked about it, and we wouldn't be asked about it if it weren't possible. And someone's like, Well, that's so far away from what I do because, you know, in Dars, it's all gravy, but, you know, when no one's watching, I watch YouTube videos for like six hours at a time and I laugh my head off or I'm so entertained that I forget about all of the stuff that's being talked about in Dars and more. And uh, uh, those are the good people, the other, you know, people who are a step worse than that in polite company we can't even mention, right? What are we supposed to do now? Um, look, the idea that you, you, you and me are not on the game doesn't mean, A, that it's not possible, and B, that there are other people that are not doing it. One of the reasons I believe so sincerely in this method and system as being practical is I've seen people like this before. I've seen there are people who literally recite Quran in their sleep. There are literally, I've seen people, there are people who make zikr in their sleep. Uh, I know p- forget it. I mean that's like on top of like, one thing is okay they're making zikr in their sleep but they're like running a liquor store during the daytime no people are righteous while they're waking and while they're sleeping uh, there are people that uh, uh, literally doesn't sin doesn't even occur to them we think we're pious people why? because we're, you know we see something haram and we're like stuff a lot don't don't do that there are people who protected themselves even from seeing the haram in the first place for so many years of their life that they, they forget what it feels like and that's the beauty of the civilization of Islam is that that it produced people like that, and that's one thing one reason I think the Western mind has such a hard time uh, hard time dealing with Islam because they 're like, yeah right, but those people do exist if you travel, you'll find them they're not in the mall or anything like that I don't know they might be, but they're probably not um, and uh, I definitely don't claim to be someone like that. Uh, um, I grew up playing uh, video games and watching TV, unfortunately. Uh, um, And, uh, you know, but I think one difference between me and other people is that there are some people who, for some reason, have this very, like, marketing-friendly idea of, like, oh, you gotta, like, bring yourself down to other people's level. Uh, First of all, I was not at any level higher than anyone in the first place. But a person who's behind... Uh, if they 're honest with themselves, they realize they 're not going to catch up by indulging in being behind those people sometimes are the most in need of being reminded how much they have to speed up in order to in order to make it that 's very practical that 's very real that 's not harshness that 's not uh, 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 judge- being judgmental it 's not any of that What is it? It's, it's a necessity that all of us have. That, the, the, you know, we've already, we're like the tortoise and the hare. We've already spent so much time taking a break. There's very little time left, and there's still a lot of race left in front of us. We've got to get going. Um, that's the only point of view I'm saying it from. And I've seen those people, I've seen those people. You know, one of my mashaikh, uh it was almost ridiculous. Uh, um, and I know several people, I've met several people like this. And the thing is, we don't set up a culture for these things in America. That's why we don't have it. Uh, if we set up a culture uh, for these things in America, where people would rather, uh, you know, where if you tell them something like, "Oh, so and so went in to the masjid, made hajj, didn't talk to anyone for ten days. All they did was read Quran, make du'a, pray salat, and sleep. That's all they did." People are like, oh, that's impractical. Oh, the youth are going to hate it. Oh, this and that. instead of all of those things, which may even actually be true in some sense, instead, if we had like a, a culture of like, wow, that sounds amazing. Even if the other things are true, this is the first thought, and then you think about everything else afterward, right? Then you'll see these people. If you know, if the dean captures your imagination and your attention, right? Like if I was like, you know, I know a guy who, uh, you know, he set up a business and it pulls in like $10 million every month and uh, uh, he owns like seven Teslas, one was custom designed and it can actually fly in the air. You're like, wow, that's really interesting. captures your imagination. You know what I mean? Uh, if the idea of, I know somebody who memorized the Quran in such a way that they recite the entire Quran, you know, uh, from Fajr before Zuhir, they make khatam every day, and they, uh, 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 mashallah, you know, do this and that, and they, whatever, never, uh, you know, sinned in this much time or whatever. I guess sin you can't tell, but like, they, you know, that person never ate anything haram or never missed their congregational prayer in the masjid, you know, for like 30 years. Those things used to capture the imaginations of Muslims. People would be like, that's awesome. Rather than, like, no, brother, you know, masjid is very far from my community <laughs> and you are not practical. And, you know, and those people, if they met Imam Bukhari, they would say, Brother Bukhari, your book is too long. <laughs> and they met Sidna Omar, Brother Omar, you know, you need to calm down a little bit, just too much. You know, it. but youth will stop coming to masjid. Well, guess what? There were more youth that came to the masjid back in those days, right? And I understand, there are practicalities, it's all, it's all good. I'm not, Again, I'm not saying that we don't live in this world and we don't deal with what's going on around us. Um, that's all good, that's all part of the Sunnah as well, right? But that's not the first thing that should come to your mind. The first thing that should come to your mind is like, oh, that's amazing, that's a goal, that's what we want to do. Right? Uh, um, and so when we have that culture, then naturally we're going to start producing people like that and if our idea of success is like, you know, I don't know, you got a Muslim president elected. Well, we had one, right? And he didn't really do much for Islam, did he? That was a joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was a joke, but the thing is like, okay, uh, uh, Mubarak, right? We were talking a little bit about this, Right? What does it mean to be Jewish in America? No longer you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to eat kosher. You could be having a ham sandwich at lunch and bacon at breakfast and like pork chops at dinner. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to have cracked open the Torah before. Nothing but okay, yeah, my whatever grandparents like uh, came after the Holocaust from Poland, uh, you know, and they made a life in America. So I'm Jewish, right? From that point of view, he was he was he was the first Muslim president. You have to understand, we think about things like from the point of view of the deen, because we're Muslims, right? A kafir looks at everything like from the point of kufr. So when they talk about him being, oh, there's a Muslim in the White House, dude, the dude's middle name is Hussein, right? And his father, was, his father was a practicing Muslim to some point, and then he became an atheist. But his grandfather was a Muslim. From that point of view, what makes a Jew a Jew amongst Jews is what made him a Muslim to them. If your goal is becoming pre- that's the benchmark of the success of Islam in America by secular standards we already achieved it. If that's what captures your imagination we achieved it. Was it was it, did you were, did you have fun? Was it as amazing as it sounds? <laughs> Are you
1: saying that just
0: people think like not, not, not conservative, think a Oh yeah, I, I I my my assessment is that. My assessment if you tell somebody about like there's so and so who made you know, so much liquor that, like, uh, they they literally uh, felt the, the 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 sacred presence of Allah Taala, you know, in all of their state's of affairs that overwhelmed them to the point that they were not able to disobey them. They're like, what's that all about? That's not something that the first the first thing. If you talk about that in public, people, like, that's not a, that's not practical. That's that's not contextual. That's not uh, you know uh, that's not the paradigm. That's not the ethos. That's not the zeitgeist. The whatever weird. Five or six like vocabulary words people throw out in order to make themselves, you know, sound smart, and everyone's like, ooh, ah, you know, to the point where one day we're gonna have a a, a jum'a khutbah where someone will get up and say, you know, like, internet, Twitter, Facebook, iPhone, amma bad, and <laughs> oh, this guy knows what's going on. The Deen of Allah Taala, it's the last line. Remember, it's the last, the last point from, from the from the Aqeedah Tahawiyyah that the Deen of Allah Taala in the earth and in the heavens is one Deen. It doesn't change with time and it doesn't change with place. So that should be the first thing that captures people's attention and their imagination and their hearts. And if it does, we'll then find creative ways to work with the situation that we're in because it's not going to be the same in any time, and any place, right? We'll work with the situation we're in. We'll find a way to make it happen. But, you know, uh, that, that, that whole idea, right, of the taqwa of Allah Ta'ala that you should worship Allah as if you see Him, It's such an overwhelming thing. Really, if it's not, if a person, it doesn't even enter their heart that like, that would be like more amazing to me than like love or money if I were to be able to make it to that maqam. That would be more amazing to me than like becoming a doctor or to like becoming president or any of that stuff. Um, Then it will happen. Uh, But if if it does, then it might happen, I should say. But if if, you, if we can't even muster that much, which was at some point or another considered the basic modicum of Iman, at least to like think that that's amazing and awesome and like yeah. would be the greatest thing in the world, if we can't muster that much, you think it's just going to happen on the side? These things don't happen like that. Go ahead. <laughs> I have
1: a question
0: you were talking about. If it's not directly related, I, I might punt it a little bit down the road. But, yeah. It's actually about something you said. It was mm-hmm. Versus mm-hmm. The necessity of them seeing have a catch up.
1: Yeah. Right? Uh, how do you facilitate someone having to catch up? Because I don't, I'm not fully really convinced, like, how, how you facilitate that versus over, like, preferring it over meeting someone at their level and then bringing it up to where you're
0: at. Don't so put I, your feet on the book. Yeah, I didn't understand, like, how are you saying that one is that the necessity that. You so, for the, for the purposes of this class, which is like the soul of 98 remedials to soul of. we're just a person should just worry about themselves the rest of that stuff is maybe it's it's a v- valid question and it's an important question yeah. but it's the the locus of it is outside of our subject matter and it's a little bit more advanced because the whole the prophetic methodology is what qu ahlikum naran that first you work on yourself then you work on the immediate people around you then you worry about the general public i mean you worry about everyone at the same time but the, the the focus of your energy, the primary focus of your energies, follows that tarteeb. So it may take us a little bit out of whatever. Maybe in the breaks or whatever, we can talk about it. Inshallah. <laughs> وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى يَا أَيُّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلاً سَدِيداً وَالْآيَاتُ فِي الْأَمْرِ بِالْتَقْوَى كَثِيرَةٌ مَعْلُومَةٌ وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَل لَهُ مَخْرَجَا مِنْ حِيْثُ لَا يحتسب. وقال تعالى إن تتقوا الله يجعل لكم فرقانا ويُكفر عنكم سيئاتكم ويغفر لكم والله ذو الفضل العظيم والآيات في الباب كثيرة المعلومة الله تعالى says in his book if so you believe fear Allah Ta'ala, and speak a true word when you speak 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 the truth uh, and the you know the the virtues of speaking the truth we'll talk about later on we uh, live in a, you know we we uh, live in an age where people like to say stupid things like post truth, and alt facts, and 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 uh, fake news and this and that. Uh, these are all just different ways of saying lying. And everybody has a way they describe things, and and, and uh, oftentimes those descri- ways of describing things can be rooted in various levels of. Uh, uh, reality or self delusion and one of the points of the is to cut through all of the nonsense and get to, get to what the stark truth is that's why the Sufis were people always that uh, were socially awkward because they brought up truths that were inconvenient this is why one of the reasons that Muslim philosophers admired Socrates some of them even said maybe he was uh, on the haqq, who knows, maybe because his, there were certain characters that, characteristics he was, that were attributed to him, that, that people saw the, the the hikmah and the wisdom of revelation in it. Uh, which a person can benefit from the wisdom of revelation without being a Muslim. So I'm not saying that Socrates was on the deen or whatever, but this is one thing Muslims admired about him, that he spoke the hak to so many different people, even though it was so awkward, All you know, he used to say the truth to people to the point where the, the, the people of Athens says this guy has to die. They p- passed a death sentence on him. for He didn't commit any crime, but he would just say so much truth to people that it would just overwhelm them. And uh, um, yes, this is definitely true that saying the truth all the time is not a good thing. What are you talking about, Sheik? It's not every true thing you have to say all the time. Anyone who believes that they have to speak the, every true thing all the time... Uh, Good luck in a marriage It's never, it's not going to work So there are times that certain things It's better not to say them Because it's going to cause more uh, difficulty Than it is uh, benefit But, and it's not again Not a license to lie to your spouse The hadith about the, uh, the permission to lie to your spouse Is like for stuff like Oh you're the most beautiful woman in the world Even though maybe there might be a woman more beautiful than your wife From an objective standard Right, it's not like oh, where were you last night? Oh, I was at work when you're actually at a bar. That's still haram. You're going to get a sin for that. That's not what it's meant. But the the point is, this is this, right? Just so happens if your wife isn't the most beautiful woman in the world, or your husband isn't the most wonderful husband in the world, bringing it up and saying it explicitly, there's no benefit in it, and it's not it's not a good thing. So there's some things that may be true you don't want to say all the time, but that's in the context of the law. In the context of the all these things are seamlessly integrated with one another. The default state in the heart is that you should, love the, you should love the truth more than you love falsehood. And if the law dictates that you not say it at a certain time, you have to restrain yourself. And that's how these things fit together. How does that fit with taqwa? The reason, the reason that, that you love the truth is what? Is because Allah Ta'ala, His attribute is al-haq. He is literally... He is the the ultimate reality, and if you speak a falsehood, uh, if you speak a falsehood, you know it's—he doesn't like it. It's going to look bad, Yomutiyama. It's going to completely be called out in front of everybody. And the 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 truthfulness of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is legendary. He never lied to anyone. Even when he deceived people, he was deceived them in a way that wasn't technically wrong. That, uh, uh, that uh, uh, you know, he, he was out in the path of Allah Ta'ala And going for reconnaissance He met some Bedouins and was trying to find out some information The enemy, the, the Bedouin asked Who are you, Where are you from? He said, we're, we're from water He said in a way that made him sound like he was from a certain tribe But he used the word, why? Because everybody was created from water In fact, one of the, one of the names of the Arabs is the Banu Ma'a that we are the children of the, the, the water that comes from the sky, because it's it's a you know acknowledging the ni'mah of Allah Taala that if it didn't rain, all of us would have died. We have no plan B uh, to survive other than Him. Uh, uh, and so uh, you know he, he he was he stuck to the truth. Why? Because that was his state in his heart that he couldn't bring himself to lie. sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam. There's a story about Habib al-Ajami, who was a Persian convert to Islam from the generation of the Tabi'in. Uh, uh, he was a student of al Hassan al-Basri Who was a freed slave of Umm al-Mu'mineen Sayyidah uh, Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha And he narrated from Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu directly And he was a friend of the household of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu Which didn't go well When Banu Umayyah was in power uh, And so uh, once his teacher visited him And the soldier of Banu Umayyah came looking for al-Hasan al-Basri uh, at the house of his student uh, to arrest him and when they used to arrest people it wasn't like you know for 30 days until you see a judge it was to kill them or to beat them or torture them and so Habib Al-Ajami is in the house it's his own house his teacher Al-Hasan Al-Basri is there his sheikh I don't want to say teacher because you, like, you learn geometry from your teacher your sheikh is somebody who like makes your tarbiya, makes you into a human being uh, Allah ta'ala give us all the tawfiq of finding such people inshallah uh, and whoever claims to be one is probably not one and unlike the ones that are one and doesn't claim to be one I actually am not one just so don't ask me the uh, the idea is that uh, his sheikh is there right he's possibly the person that you respect the most in your life you know more than your parents more than more than anyone else in your life he's there right so the the soldiers of 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 banu umayya uh, uh, knock on the door like the police, and they bust in and they say where's Hassan al basri and he says he 's right there, and they, they, they hit him in the face and they said don 't joke with us if you see him uh, if you see him, uh, tell us uh, and don 't don 't joke with us next time we 'll kill you for that and so they leave so uh, al Hassan al basri sees this is a miracle of his pious student, his pious disciple that that he spoke the truth, and they couldn 't see him. Uh, who knows whose miracle it was maybe it was the miracle of the sheikh maybe it was a miracle of the student Allah knows best, right? It came from, everything comes from Allah Ta'ala so he says why did, you, why did you tell them I was here? because in the sharia in situations like that you're allowed to lie like if someone comes and says where's Hamza? I'm going to kill him don't open the door and be like he's upstairs <laughs> okay? you say I don't know where he's, who you're talking about right? why? because if something happens then you're at fault for being able to avoid that situation right? Uh, and it's an exception to the rule So uh, the sheikh is like why did, you, <laughs> why did you tell them I'm right here He said it occurred to, m- it occurred to me that, that, that this is an exception to the rule About speaking the truth But I couldn't bring myself to do it um, And these types of stories There are many of them in our, our tradition And Muslims are people who tell the truth They're not liars And the fact that people nowadays Can bring themselves so nonchalantly to lie It's really disturbing It's really disturbing Right? You can have a turban and beard and cloak and all of these things. You can you know have the best bayan and, and, and lectures in the world and best YouTube channel ever, and more viral than you know whatever. And you, you, all of these things, you know these things, these things uh, none of that can make up for, for, for the weird, nonchalant way in which people lie and deceive each other nowadays. Um, from amongst our mashaykh, uh just a couple of generations ago. I narrate the, the, the books of hadith. I narrate Sahih Bukhari from my teacher, Sayyid Hamid Mia. He narrates from his teacher, Sayyid Mahmoud Mia. He narrates from his teacher, Sayyid Hussain Ahmad Madani, rahimullah ta'ala, who narrates from his teacher, and, uh, Mahmoud Al-Hassan, Shaykh Al-Hind, who narrates from his teacher, uh, 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 Muhammad Qasim Nanotwi, rahimullah ta'ala. Those people lived in like the colonial uh, Britain, or sorry, colonial India that was usurped by the British. And they actually fought against... They actually fought to kick the British out of uh, of their homeland. And they were successful by Allah's fadl. And uh, 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 the shaykh actually had to run from the authorities. And uh, at some point, he hid in a masjid. And they found that he was in that masjid. And the masjid was surrounded. And uh, he thought... The thought crossed his mind. If they start firing at the masjid and they kill me here, the blood will spill on the carpets and it's najis. And they're going to... Uh, defile the masjid, and I'm going to die anyway. So I'm just going to give myself up now, rather rather than rather than defile the house of Allah. Ta'ala. So he just walked out, and a soldier comes up to him. They said, "Did you see Qasim Nanotui?" He says, "You know what? He was here just a minute ago, and he just walked away." Uh, um, so, you know, fearing Allah, Ta'ala, uh, which is going to be mentioned in the next in the next ayah, it has a lot of really strange and wonderful benefits. Not all of which are apparent and tangible to a person in the short term, but in the long term it always works out. Uh, Allah Most High says, uh, 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 whoever fears Allah subhanahu wa uh, ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will give him an exit for his problems. Whatever issue you're facing, whatever problem you're facing, the fear of Allah ta'ala will create for you an exit for your pro- from your problems, a way to escape from your problems. Someone and well, I know someone who was really God-fearing, that person got killed. Right? Yom al when people are going to Jahannam, Allah will give that person what? An escape from their problems. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever a person hunkers down and, 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 and chooses to fear Allah Ta'ala rather than do what otherwise they want to or what seems convenient, they should do so with the Iman inside of their hearts. With the Iman inside of their hearts. That this is not Allah Ta'ala's way of punishing me, that there's, this is the solution to my problems. If you don't have that Iman, it's as if you're throwing the deed away. With what? With the, this, is, this is the solution to my problems. And people say, well, this is practical, that's practical, this is impractical, that's impractical. A day will come, entire nations will be thrown into the garbage heap of the hellfire. Whoever saved on that day, what more do you want? But it will help you here as well. It will help here as well. You may not understand it at the time, but it will help here as well. And it's been shown again and again that the Ahlullah, that that they've seen how the fear of Allah uh, Ta'ala bails them out from their problems again and again. And when a person relaxes the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and takes it easy on that, that it ensnares them in all sorts of stupidity and all sorts of fun and games. Uh, uh, and some of us have experienced it ourselves or with the people around us. And Allah ta'ala says, if you fear Allah ta'ala, He will give you the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. And He will expiate your, your sins uh, and uh, Allah ta'ala will forgive you and Allah ta'ala... His grace is, is, is enormous. Uh, and the number of ayat regarding the benefits of fearing Allah Ta'ala are, are numerous and, and uh, 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 well-known. So this last part, inshallah, before we break for lunch. Right? The fear of Allah Ta'ala is a, 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 a tool and a vehicle for what? For sharpening your intellect. People often think that the fear of Allah Ta'ala is a type of stupidity. Why? Because most religious people are morons. I would say at least 85, and I'm being very generous, 85% of religious people are religious because of their stupidity. 15% of people who are religious are religious because of their intelligence. That's being very generous actually, I think. The people who are religious because of their stupidity, Allah Ta'ala will accept from them. And that's from Allah's fadl. The sunnah is what? To worship Allah Ta'ala because you know this is the only way that things can work. It's based on what? On on your intelligence. That you know it's impractical to go to the fire. That you know you don't have any right to do anything other than what Allah Ta'ala told you. You know that Calling, you know, uh, 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 things by names that are fancy doesn't excuse their reality. You know, I, I, I'm in a wine of the month club, and this, this month we're going to have the like Chateau blah, 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 and it's a, the year is like this, and if you swish it around, it has a very fruity palate, and this and that. The only thing fruity is what happened to your intellect. You're an alcoholic. you spend more money on rotten grape juice that makes you lose your mind, uh, then you, know, you should have on other things that are more important. There's no benefit from, for it in you. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. But the, the, the first thing is you made a fool of yourself and that's what allowed you to get into this. Right? And a person may be stuck as an alcoholic, but the alcoholic who knows that it's bad... Is vastly superior and more intelligent than the one who, who who's like fooling himself because the the former has a way that they might possibly get out of their problem one day after very, a lot of difficulty. The former, there's not a dream, there's not a chance, there's not a chance for them to get out because they haven't admitted that something's wrong. Wrong is happening. So someone says alt, uh, alt facts and somebody says, like, you know, alt-right, and whatever. They're just a bunch of Nazis, man. You guys are a bunch of racists. You guys are weirdos, right? You guys, you know, whatever the civil wars about states' rights and all this other stuff. Just admit it. It was wrong, you know? It was wrong. Just admit it. There's there's nothing that justifies it and excuses it. It was wrong. It doesn't mean that we're going to kill you. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, whatever, there's an agenda to... Erase the white race, or the black race, or whatever race, or anything, or whatever. It's so because people are like, well, if I admit this, and this will happen, that will happen. But whatever will happen in the future, that, leave it to Allah Ta'ala. But like, you know, you, you, you have to use your brain in order to see the, the world objectively around you. And this is the, the, the greatest punishment of, of not believing in Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ sahum اللَّهَ أَنْفُسَهُمْ Don't be like the ones who forgot Allah Ta'ala for He allowed them to forget themselves. Allah Ta'ala's existence is the most absolute truth that's there. Nothing in the world of causes and effects exists except for something caused it to exist. Except for everything? That doesn't make any sense at all. Once you have unhinged your mind from this absolute truth there's no such thing as truth or falsehood anymore and this is part of the philosophy it's basically the whole Indic tradition is based in this idea of Maya Hinduism, Buddhism right? This all Aryan religion is based in this Christianity is an Aryan religion, it's not a Semitic religion Ibn Kathir said if, if someone tells you that the Romans became Christians don't believe them if someone tells you the Christians became Romans, believe them. Why is it? Where is? Do you know where the, the Pope sits? The Pope sits in the Curia. It's where the Roman Senate used to meet. Uh, St. Peter's Basilica is the old uh, uh, pantheon. The Palatine Hill on which the Vatican is built, it was the Haram of Rome. Rome was considered a sacred city. Uh, they used to, in the ancient times, they were not allowed to bear arms when they were in the Palatine Hill. Even the magistrates had to unfix the axe heads from their, from their and they just carried sticks with them. It was a problem, the Vestal virgins, if a Vestal virgin was caught uh, having relations with, with a man, uh, the punishment was death. But the problem is they can't leave the, 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 the temple of, uh, of, of Hestia that was in, 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 on the Palatine Hill. So what they would do is they would dig a hole that's big enough that uh, it's like the size of a room. And they would stock it with all sorts of stuff, and they would just bury her in it and seal it. So, you know, technically we didn't kill her, she just died of star, you know, whatever. It's out of sight, out of mind, who cares? Why? Because that was their haram. Obviously, kufr is stupid. If you can convince yourself of one stupidity, then uh, uh, the gates of all sorts of other ones open up in your mind. Uh, uh, and this is, you know, the, 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 the pope is, what? what is the renal title of the pope? The Pontifex Maximus, right? Which means the chief bridge builder. Would you believe that the, the Pontifex Maximus, which was the, the title in the ancient Roman religion of the, the, the high priest of the Roman religion, at one point in an unbroken chain, Julius Caesar held that, uh, held that position as well. So if you're nisbas to Julius Caesar, you can hardly say that this is something that comes from Allah Ta'ala. Because by all uh, measures, he was a jerk, and even his friends realized and they killed him. Because they realized, this guy is so crazy, if he gets elected, something like what's happening right now is going to happen. They at least had, the ancients had common sense with regards to these things. Uh, so, the idea is that, what? The idea is that if you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the inverse happens. Allah ta'ala will open your mind and open your uh, 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 intellect to understand the thing that you didn't understand from before. And uh, uh, this is a very deep philosophical point that we're already over time. We don't have time to explain more, but I'll give you very simple examples. Okay, um, Imam Bukhari, ta'ala, it's very well known that before entering a hadith into his book, he used to pray two raka'as, make wudu and pray two raka'as, and then ask Allah, ta'ala, should I enter it or not? Now, most of us think that, yeah, Imam Bukhari, he's probably like a real pious dude who liked praying and stuff like that. Uh, so that's why he did it. Nobody's born to like, like praying for no reason. Human beings are disposed to do things, doing things that have some benefit in it. And if things don't have benefit, people stop doing them. Why is it he did that and his book is accepted? None of us are going to write books that are accepted like that. Because there was something in there that actually like showed him something that other people didn't have. Okay, you're like, well, that's too far away, you know, that's like some sort of apocryphal hero worship uh, that all of you turban and beard guys have, and let's be practical. Okay, I'll tell you something practical. I have a friend from Seattle, from Seattle, mashallah, Omer knows him. He is, he immigrated to this country from a different country, uh, and he was a waiter and a busboy for many years in New York City. Um... And he's by no means, if you meet him, will he strike you as like some sort of super genius type guy. But he uh, came to Seattle, hired by Boeing. You know the 787? It's a good plane, uh, uh, mashallah. Um, it was all designed by computer before they, they used any materials. And so the simulators that they used to like, test, do the testing before like putting anything together, they're like, obviously really complex, right? So if there's a problem in the code in, in those simulators, they had to have very elite programmers come and debug that stuff. Anyone here a, a, a programmer? Yeah. Is it fun to uh, go through other people's code? No, people prefer writing the code. A lot of people prefer writing the code than like having to like, get into the other programmer's mind, figure out how they think, and then figure out how, according to the way they think, they went wrong. It's very difficult, Right. Uh, so this guy was an elite programmer, um, and his services were contracted to Boeing $500 an hour to debug other people's code because something so complex, obviously you're not going to, I mean, you need some super genius type dudes, people like that, that are competent, at that are not, you know, you don't find them left and right. Uh, so I go, wow, man, that's pretty cool. $500 an hour, um... You know, how do you do that? Like, that's amazing. Like, how did you get to that point, you know? And he goes, Shaykh, you know, I'm embarrassed. I don't even know how I do it. And I don't even know what, there's nothing special. You know what I do is I just keep doing my work. And when I hit a a roadblock, I make wudu, and I pray two rak'ahs and make dua to Allah Ta'ala. And then, like, I come back and sit at the computer. It opens up for me. There are so many people who have stories like this in their own private and personal lives that uh, uh it's something completely uh, undeniable i used to myself do it i used to I, I my undergrad is in biochem i went to madrasa after i went after i uh, uh, finished my undergrad i had one undergrad in biochem and the other one in Nelk, right uh, uh um i used to do that like sometimes physics homework and things like that i would be stumped you just stop make wudu and then pray two rak'ahs and uh, uh uh you know come back and Allah Ta'ala makes halul mushkilat. Allah Ta'ala unties knots that were closed up in your mind Why? Because grounding yourself in reality opens truth up for you Distracting yourself from it locks it up again So a person might say Well, I know a lot of people like Oppenheimer was a genius physicist and he didn't even believe in God, right? Yeah, that's the type of logic that like, makes you work on nuclear weapons so you're, you know how to do physics problems real good But you just open the roadmap for like Destroying the entire mankind in less time Than it takes to order a pizza That's real smart isn't it Even like the villager Illiterate village idiot of like the Muslims From the medieval ages If you asked them like Is it good that you should like you know, Learn a science and teach it That will end up destroying people one day No it should be haram to teach that science If people are going to use it to kill mankind That's like obvious right so the type of uh, truth that your mind is open to, it's grounded. It's not just like some like, small piece of truth in isolation that's like floating like an island in like an ocean of stupidity. Uh, uh, and so that's something really, really important to understand. That like, yeah, okay, fine, do your homework and do all that other stuff and things like that. But ultimately, uh, Allah Ta'ala, his own sifa, is that, his own attribute is that of knowledge and that of truth. The more you connect with him, the more these things open up open up to you. And that's why you see encyclopedic geniuses of our tradition, people who memorized more books than a person can carry, people who are able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, digest all sorts of, and solve all sorts of different problems. One of the people I, things I really feel bad about is people don't know classical Arabic, and so they think that the extent of like what the Islamic intellectual tradition has to offer is what you find on Amazon or in a pamphlet, and the fact of the matter is that all the questions you have, someone's answered it long ago, and they've also thought of questions you would never think about. Uh, and they've answered them really well as well. But you're not going to have access to it because you, you can't read their books. Uh, uh, and people are like, oh shit, you should translate it to English. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, imagine if someone lives like whatever in KwaZulu-Natal and they only speak Zulu language, right? And then they're like, yeah, you know. I've read every book in Zulu about uh, neurosurgery. Good for you, <laughs> but coming back, coming back to this issue that this is this is a belief of ours, that that truth and reality open up to you with the, the fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, and it's a holistic quality that's not that's not just limited to like you know like understanding something really small and then like what you missed what you missed from the truth is greater than what you what you achieved you know so a kafir will say like oh. You know, the only reason that praying and making Wudu and praying, uh, you know, helped you solve the problem is because, I don't know, like, because you, uh, uh, you know, psychologically the distraction was helpful and this and that and the other thing. has nothing to do with God, right? Of course that's what you would say. You're a kafir, right? (laughs) You don't believe it in the first place. So even if it were true, you would still make something up like that. You understand what I'm saying? It seems at first to be a symmetrical argument. We're saying that we don't believe what you're saying because you're a kafir. They're saying they don't believe what we say because you're a believer. But what makes our what makes our explanation come out on top is that it worked. We built a civilization that's bigger than the Richardson mustard and Plano mustard, as wonderful and Irving, as wonderful as they are. That's one thing it was good to go to Turkey and see all of that, right? If everybody's like ISIS running around like blowing stuff up and cutting people's heads off. You know, the project of just making one of those huge massages, you know how many generations it took to, and how many different skills and trades had to come together without using any modern technology to build buildings like that, and to fund buildings like that through the centuries, and to, you know, like, and that's just a building, that's not, they ran an entire, like, multi-ethnic, multinational empire, uh, uh, that type of stuff doesn't happen if you, don't, if you don't have, like, a whole bunch of really intelligent, and hard-working people. Um, and if somehow praying five times a day blocked you from that then it wouldn't have worked out but guess what it worked out really well uh, for a lot of people and inshallah it still works and it will keep working uh, and even if you know even if uh, uh, you know there's an orange-headed dude who screams and shouts uh, nonsense about Islam until he's blue in the face it's still working so whatever so I think we should that tirade went on for too long inshallah. we'll take a break inshallah and come back after lunch Bar people